Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. You can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Good morning. I got a full house for baptisms today. My name is Jeff Young. I'm the lead pastor here at Life Church. So if I haven't had a chance to say hi to you, I'd love to do that uh, later today or after service for sure. Um, Baptism Sunday is by far and away just one of my favorite services. And so uh, leading after uh, youth Sunday service, then to baptism service, my heart is just like melting all over the place. And I don't know if that's just me, but it's just such a powerful, powerful service. So um, at the end of service, after I'm done talking, we're going to bring everybody up. We're going to do the baptisms and stuff. So I won't take a whole lot of time. That being said, um, what I would love just to encourage all of you is that baptism is really a participatory um, thing that we do together. Uh, so when everybody's up here uh, and we're sharing uh, about why they're getting baptized and they're in the water and we're, we're, we're doing all these things, what I would love to just hear from you is just cheer your heart out. Um, there's nothing better than being encouraged by somebody else in the body of Christ. Just we can't get enough encouragement. Is that right? So if we have a chance to, an opportunity to, let's, let's do that as much as possible. Kind of my theory is, you know, if you want to be loved, you might want to love. If you want to be encouraged, you, you might want to encourage. And by the very fact of you encouraging somebody else, you feel encouraged by that. So there's this thing where, hey, let's take the first step and be the one to encourage and just cheer these ones on who are getting baptized. What an amazing step of faith it is. So um, if you would with me, open your Bibles up to First Corinthians, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm just going to share on a couple of passages that I feel like the Lord put on my heart for this service. And and as we do this, it's just one of those things that the Lord just, here, here you go. This is what I want you to share for, for Baptism Sunday. And so uh, if you get into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you step into verse 14 with me, Paul is talking to the Corinthians right now. And he basically says just before this that, that you are to be, as a believer, one to pursue and persuade others about Christ, about, about my love for, for them, for you, that I, I bore that cross, not just for you, but those you're connected to. Can I get an amen? Um, it, it might be one of the most muted things in our Christian walk is it's for me, not for thee. Did I just say that? I did. But sometimes it's just like to, to step out in faith and actually share what Christ has done in your life. You don't need to know the Bible back to like from front to back. I would encourage you to, to share the love of God with those that are in your, in, in your what I would say, your network, in, in the, the places that you, you go, whether that's your home, whether that's your workplace, whether that's your school, whatever it might be, that you would share this love of Christ um, that we're going to get to where Paul talks about it. So in verse 14, it says, for Christ's love compels us. Everybody say compel. This word compel means to like hold together, hold fast, hold firm. So, so this love of Christ compels us. It, 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 Paul's saying it has such a grip on your life. The love of Christ, it has such a meaning, such a depth that it holds onto you that nothing you could do could, could like get you away from it. Man, don't let that go in Jesus' name. 
Uh, I always go back to, to where, where David talks about in the Psalms, in Psalm 51, after he had his adulterous affair and he was just brokenhearted and, and contrite and, and he came to, to, to the Lord in prayer and he, and he said, return, in part of his whole thing, he said, return to me the joy of salvation. So, so would you with me, because baptism is such a big deal, go back to the moment you, were, you received salvation and let the, the, the well of joy rise up within you right now. Because that is a powerful mark on your life. So it should be something that you draw from because it's all the way at the top all the time. You just have the ability to give it away. So you have this joy that wells up within you. May, may the joy of salvation just return to you in this moment. And then now, would you just take a second and capture the thought of when you were baptized and what that meant for you and what it was like for you. And if you need a redo, let's talk. <laughs> Maybe it was when you were a baby in, in, in a Catholic church and that's a different doctrine than ours. So, hey, man, I would encourage you, let's talk as an adult because you have the ability to choose on your own to, to say and declare with your own voice and heart, I'm going after Jesus. But, but take yourself back to that moment in baptism. My moment in baptism was, was uh, it was going to be in junior high because all my friends were doing it. And I had this odd conviction that, no, I don't want to do it just because my friends are doing it. It was the one time I avoided peer pressure. <laughs> So I, 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 I don't know. I just kind of backed away. And, and I've, I was grateful that my parents were like, it needs to be your, your choice. And then when I was 18, uh, I have a sweet moment. Uh, many of you know my dad passed away about five years ago. But my dad and my mom, they planted a church in Dayton, Nevada. And nobody in here knows where that is. I dare you. It's a little tiny itsy bitsy town next to Carson City, Nevada. And they planted this church there. Planted, like, I mean, just amazing what God did. And then I was helping them with it. They did baptisms. I don't think they were expecting this, but I'm like, I'm first in line. And so my dad, in just like a spot like this in somebody's home, he baptized me in, the spa, in, their, in their spa. So, so there's, this, there's this moment of what God did in me in that moment with our church family at that time, where the Lord was just confirming in my heart my walk with the Lord. So this love that compels us, this love that, that grabs onto our hearts, may it, may it just like be a revival within you right now. Can I get an amen? Can, can you just declare with me? Can you just say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step into that because a lot of times we only see what's going on around us and it depletes everything. The world is going to take away everything from you, okay? But it's only the Lord that has a never-ending resource that's gonna supply all your needs, so I want to continually come back to this joy of salvation, these come back to the testimony of my baptism and come back to these moments that, that grip my heart with the Lord that says, man, this is part of the, the love of Christ that compels us to then go do what he says. He says this, so, so verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. So Christ took it all for us because we know that Christ took all of that for us we know now we are compelled by the love of Christ. Man, there's, there's no other God before our God. It's only him who took the cross, who died on the cross and rose again for us. And in Galatians chapter two, it says this. It says, <clears throat> oh, if I can find it, I just missed it. Galatians chapter two, verse 20 says this. I have been crucified. And again, this is Paul. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I love what Paul's talking about here because he has this, this uh, portion where, where the love compels him to the, then go do and go be the love of Christ to those around him. And so he keeps on going in, in, in chapter uh, five here. If I can get there, I apologize. He says this, he says in, in 15, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. So look at your spouse right now. No, just kidding. That those who live should, should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and was raised again. So now we understand this, this idea that Christ died on the cross for me. And, I, and when I surrender my heart and my life to him, I'm giving him, I'm, I'm submitting my life to him as his. My life is his, so therefore I'm not living for myself any longer. So therefore I'm willing to do and be his vessel. I'm willing to go then do and pursue others in the love that compels me in Christ. Do you see this domino effect that, that the Lord has on all of us? That he's coming after you, he's, he's seeking you out. And even if you, like, like me, I've been a, a believer since first grade, you know, like he continually, continually comes after me in different ways to, re, to refine his love for me, to redefine it, to continue to, to press into these things. Verse 16 to go on, it says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Sorry, this isn't on the board. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Now verse 17, this is a classic portion of the scripture that many of you have heard. It says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, those of you who have said yes to the Lord and surrendered it all to the Lord, that's you. That's like, okay, this is me. So Paul's talking to me. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So he gave us this ministry because of the love that he poured out over us, because of what he's done for us. Now he's given us this ministry of reconciliation because Christ was the example of reconciling us with the Lord. This is kind of like uh, gospel 101. It's like Jesus came to, to, to reconcile our relationship with the Father because sin got in the way. So now he's given us, now that we are brand new in Christ, where the old is gone, the new is here. Now I have this ability to say, I have this ministry of reconciliation. Everybody raise your hand. You're all a minister. You're all a minister. I ordain you in the, no, just kidding. But this is, this is what it is to be, to be one for Christ. This is what it is to be a Christian, to walk it out with the Lord. So he says, and gave us this ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Man, what an amazing marvel of grace that is. Not counting the sin, mine. Not counting my sin, he still sent Jesus for me. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we therefore are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So now we're his ambassador. I'm a minister of reconciliation. So I go and I minister that, okay? But now I'm an ambassador. And this, this word ambassador, it, it's a representative of a ruling authority. 
So if you're under the rule and authority of God, you're an ambassador. However, if you're not under the rule and authority of God, and, and you might like to say you are, but you're not, and you live according to the world, then you're under a different ruling authority and you're an ambassador for something else. So I just, in my heart and in my own conviction, I say, Lord, I continually want to step into your rule, your reign, your authority. I step underneath that. I humbly submit myself to that. So I'd encourage you to walk in that as Paul's encouraging us to. So we're Christ's ambassadors. So if you would turn with me to Acts chapter eight real quick, I want to hit a story real fast about Paul, uh, this, this man, Philip, and how he uh, was an ambassador for Christ in this season. And so Acts chapter eight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly through this so that we can get to the good stuff because you're like, come on, Pastor Jeff, we just want to get to the baptisms, I know. But in, in chapter seven, this is the incredible chapter where, where, where this man Saul comes in and he, he's a persecutor of all the Christians and Stephen rises up and he's like, no, I'm an ambassador for Christ, right? If you know that story, he gets stoned to death. Saul likes, likes, like uh, thumbs up, he approves it all. And then the church scatters. It totally scatters. And Philip is part of this, we're going, I'm going to Damascus, I'm leaving. Or he actually went to Samaria, I apologize. In verse three, it says, but Saul, who is Paul, by the way, began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Wow. So this is the persecution that's really real. So verse four, it says this, those who had been scattered, including Philip, preached the word wherever they went. Um, it, it said back, back in this, this time and season of life that the word of God actually was spread through the commoner, through the trade worker, because they were on the routes and the roads and they would carry the, this ministry of reconciliation and they would share it with the, with the, the fellow uh, workers. So the way it actually spread was, yeah, through the, through the apostles, yeah, they were a big part of that, but, but really the big part of it is all, hey, raise your hand. This is all us together in, in, our, in where we work, where we live, where we do our business, all of those things. So, so we're all in this together. That's, that's a big part of this. So it says this, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds uh, heard Philip, he saw the signs uh, they, and saw the signs he performed. They all paid close attention to what he said, for with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Check it out, verse eight. So there was great joy in that city. I have a hope that maybe in Chico, we could have great joy. The only way that, that Chico, <clears throat> Butte County, whatever, the state of California, the nation, you wanna go as big as you want, is if we collectively together decide to have this revival of joy within our own hearts. And we have to get back to this point of baptism. We have to get back to this point of salvation, then to baptism, what Christ commands us to do, say, man, let's proclaim this in the name of Jesus together as a body of Christ. So this is what Philip's doing. And so he ends up, uh, if, you, if you reach down to verse 26, uh, there's an interesting passage there with Peter and John. They come in and hang out with Philip for a little bit. But in 26, it says this, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to the south of, uh, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from the Jerusalem to the Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake. <clears throat> 
Okay, so check it out. Uh, just like Philip is an ambassador, okay? He's an ambassador for Christ. He meets this Ethiopian who's an ambassador for Ethiopia. But Philip is an ambassador for Christ. He's an ambassador for his country. And he is, he's the treasurer. So he's got incredible authority. He's got all the dime. He's got all the things he needs. And so the Lord directs Philip to, to, to come to this man's, like uh, to where he is. So, so the angel of the Lord comes to him and he says, hey, go down to, to South, uh, the desert street. Wouldn't we all love if the Lord just kind of cleared things up for us every once in a while and said, hey, could you just, I just want you to do this. Uh, usually it's when we're expecting it that he says, hey, I want you to go talk to that person. But the reality is when we're in prayer and, and going, man, I don't know what to do, Lord. I need your help, you know, guidance. The Lord really walks this through that. But man, sometimes it would be really nice to have that just, I just want you to go to the desert road. So it says this, in ver- uh, then, uh, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he went to Jerusalem because he wanted to worship. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and, say, uh, and stay near it. Then Philip, uh, sorry, let me, let me back up. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Again, this is the Lord like, hey, go to the street. And now he, he goes and he does it. And then he's like, okay, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? I'm paying attention. And then the spirit says to him in his still small voice, I want you to go right next to that chariot. <clears throat> okay, so he comes near. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And he simply asked, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come Come up and sit with him. This is the passage of the scripture the eunuch was reading. He, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So here, Philip's like, uh, do you know what you're reading? Isn't it interesting how if we're going to be an ambassador, we're going to be a minister of reconciliation, an ambassador of Christ, we're going to do what he says. And then we can just simply come around people and just ask a simple question that opens up opportunity for the Lord to come right on in. We don't have to complicate it. Can we just like get over this? Like you can just be who God made you to be and be available with your ears to hear and sense what the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you to do living righteously along the way. I'm going to just give my life to the Lord. So then the, uh, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He told them the gospel right then and there on the spot. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me getting baptized? What can stand in the way? Uh, this is a simple question that I want to propose for you, whether maybe you haven't been baptized and it's a legitimate question for you. What's standing in the way? What, what might it be? Is it just fear of like, ooh, I don't want to do this whole thing in front of everybody. It's just like, ooh, a little intimidating, but that's with the body of Christ. Let me just tell you this, getting baptized with the body of Christ, it's not something you do alone. It's public. The Lord, the Lord so cares about the church and this aspect of baptism together that is supposed to be done in unity with the body. To do baptism outside is, is private. 
to do it together is public. And so the Lord wants your faith public, not private. And maybe some of you are like, well, I like my faith private. Well, that's not faith. I want you to live out your faith like this Philip who's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to go. I'm going to go by the chariot. Okay, I'm going to ask this simple question. Hey, uh, do you know what you're reading? He's like, maybe, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll invite me in. Of course, he invites him in, and he gets to ride in the sweet chariot, by the way, that was like luxury. It was like, it'd be like one of those big old limos picking us up, and like we get to just go hang out and drive around while you get to share the good news with this person. So here they are. So he says, look here, here's water. What can stand in the way of me me, uh, being baptized? It might not be baptism. It might just be living a life wholeheartedly to the Lord. What stands in the way of just loving more? What stands in the way of like, why is there so much fear in my life? What stands in the way of you being a a, a really standout parent? What stands in the way of you just uh, being the best employee that you can possibly be, even though you don't like the situation you might find yourself in? What stands in the way? What holds you back? And then surrender it to Jesus and watch and see what happens. So Philip's like, nothing's standing in the way. Let's go do this. So in verse 38, it says, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, this is so awesome. The spirit of Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way. What? Say it out loud. What? He went on his way rejoicing. He's like, I could care less where Philip is. Man, my life is changed. Oh my gosh, this joy has welled up within me from this aspect of being baptized publicly. Man, nothing is standing in the way. I just, I love this picture. Uh, do you know, just a little fun fact that the next time Philip is mentioned is 20 years later in Caesarea. He still continued to minister in Samaria, right where he was. The Lord just whoo, took him up, put him somewhere else. I, I, I kind of want that to happen to one of us today. <laughs> just to really like, man, that would be amazing. Wouldn't it? Hey, what I'd love to do right now, I want to invite those who are getting baptized to come on up. So give them a round of applause as they're coming up. The worship team, I want you up here. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. This is so fun. All right, I'm going to move this over here. Worship team can get settled. I love this. We've got Avery and Zoe getting baptized this morning. Oh, we've got three others getting baptized next service. So if you want to stay for that. Oh man, this is so great. Hey, I want to just really quickly share. And if you ever wonder, you want to do a little bit more, uh, get a little bit more in depth scripture uh, about baptism, go to Romans chapter six. I'm going to read this couple of first verses. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We therefore buried with him through baptism into into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. So there's this picture of of the water being, being like a grave, like Jesus took the sin and he buried it into the, into the grave, right? And, and so he buried it there. And then when he rose again, he came out new. 
He came out without any, any uh, uh, stain of sin at all. And so, girls, when you get to be baptized, it's literally when you're going all the way under the water, you're holding your breath, you're believing that interior, inside what's going on is the Lord is making you brand new. And when you come up, you're just like Christ in that moment. It is a powerful thing. And everybody together gets to witness this. And I think this is one of the um, most miraculous things that happens through scripture that we probably don't hit on enough that this is a miraculous moment that we all believe, if we believe in baptism, that the, the Lord makes us new in this moment. And so I just love that, that we get to do this together. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.